Hey there, you're listening to Erratic Control. I'm Ed Townend. Um, this intro and outro is going to be a little more sluggish than usual because, uh, unfortunately, I'm ill, which is always nice when you're freelance and you're supposed to be working and you can't do anything. Um, this podcast is uh, with Mike Dennis, who I interviewed third uh, I went, drove over to Bristol uh, just after he finished his Junction 19 tour and we had a very, very lengthy chat about his music, his upbringing, his kind of technical abilities because uh, he's quite an interesting artist in his own right because he works with a violin and a loop pedal and a cajon and various kinds of interesting ways of interpreting music so we discussed that we discussed um you know if you've heard the previous episode you know what we discussed but uh the difference with this episode is that we did talk for quite a long time much much longer than i had previously with rob and and jack in previous episodes so this episode is quite heavily edited because nobody wants to listen to us talking for an hour and 45 minutes um so yeah that is the caveat to this episode uh the other caveat is that we didn't record a session because uh it's quite complicated to record mike uh in his peculiar way and also because he just come off tour and he didn't want to get all his equipment out to do a session um instead what i've done is kind of dropped in little audio segments from videos you can find online or um little clips from his new ep uh, junction 19 and yeah i hope that is okay um We'll return to uh, sessions next week, uh, and I'll let you know what's going on with that after we hear from Mike Dennis. Enjoy. This is number three. This is the first one outside of Wales. Whee. Yeah, I think it's yeah. So far, it's the only one I've booked that's outside of Wales, but it's, uh, we're in Bristol. Um, it's an interesting city to me, I think, and it's like it's relevant to you quite a lot because, especially when it comes to you know the difference between Cardiff and Bristol, because you grew up in Cardiff. And then moved yeah. to Bristol. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, moved to Brighton. Oh, okay. For, for uni. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Brighton mm. is, you know, one of those places that seems to me to be quite musical. It's got quite a musical kind of heritage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just my perspective of it. But I think every city's got a kind of musical heritage in a sense. But Brighton, to me, like, it does kind of ring true of like that because it's an escape from London. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Yeah. And that's why it's sure. got all that stuff there. Yeah, it's definitely a um a, a bit of a musical mecca. But but, but, but yeah, I know I do prefer Bristol actually. Yeah. If I had to compare them. <laughs> so what I tend to do is I start off kind of it's quite a in-depth process this podcast like you start okay. off yeah. the earliest and then go Fringing. to what's happening right okay, now. Okay, right. So, um right. do you kind of have a first musical related memory we're going really early yeah now. yeah yeah i do i i remember my house in reading when where i was born okay and i remember probably being in a nappy <laughs> and sitting on the um on the floor in the hall in in, in the house where my we where my mum and dad lived and, and me and my sister and uh and i remember 
having an array of pots and pans in front of me that my mum had probably provided for mm. me. And she was always listening to Legend, the Bob Marley album. Yeah. And I remember sitting there <laughs> fascinatedly banging banging the pots and pans with whatever implement she'd given me to given me to hit yeah. them with. That's probably my first musical That's... memory. That's really that's a good credible memory. <laughs> that's amazing. Like it's incredible that memory. Is, that is such. That's oh my god! I don't think we're ever going to beat that one. That's that's really yes. good. Like um, it's kind of one of those memories that doesn't even seem real, but like I genuinely believe like that must have happened. Like oh yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. it's quite nice to be able to look out the window at this, these trees actually, because helping me cast my mind back. To <laughs> <laughs> it's back to back to Reading. Where, yeah. So obviously, so having kind of that influence at a young age is is always really important for musicians. But at mm. the same time, I think uh, some people I talk to as well, like not just doing these, was would say they get into music later on, and then they kind of have a different perspective. But do you think? I think I was I was about three then I think three or four. Okay, but I, I definitely you know didn't like I didn't start having music lessons at that age. I just, yeah, I yeah, just yeah. remember that being quite. No, a, God, I yeah, the, like a, that fills me with dread. The idea of having yeah. music lessons yeah, at three yeah, or four, yeah. like yeah, we just, just do not do it care. To yeah, like yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like Mozart. It's like look. Um, yeah, I did. It just strikes that's definitely a, like an es- essential. Um, not as in everybody needs it i mean of the essence of memory when i can just remember reconnecting with music that's at, cool. at that age yeah yeah that and that's it's also not even you're listening to something it's you're participating in music as well you're yeah. being a, a, yeah. a musician as, as much as you can yeah as <laughs> much as you can be at three hitting pots of hands but like that's actually yeah. creating music rather yeah. than just listening to music yeah yeah that's that's pretty that's a Good start, I guess. And then, Good. do you uh, do you remember the kind of the first kind of what music you were into as a kid? Again, I can remember, um, you know, the Seven Seas of Rye by Queen. I can remember uh, running around my living room in Reading, actually jumping up and down on furniture and Guns and Roses, actually, as well at that age yeah. like, for, for like infants. I think it's really good, like ridiculous, energetic furious music those two so well i can't remember what the guns and roses song was but there was definitely one song i'd probably ask my uncle to play so i'm still i'm, I'm still aiming really early now like yeah no, really, that's good really young. That's good yeah, <laughs> like yeah seven seas of rye as well the, the the queen song i just i just remember going absolutely crazy with my friend ben who came to my gig recently in brighton yeah i hadn't don't remember seeing him since I was that age. Oh, wow. Really bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like really quite over the top rock music was, was the first stuff I sort of related to. I remember the first tape I bought was Aerosmith. That's cool. Oh, that, that was going to be that? another question. Yeah. Like, next question is what's, what's the first record? Yeah. So that's, that's quite a difference to what you do now and maybe maybe but maybe not what music you're into now because obviously we mm. everyone enjoys a wider range of what wide array of music oh, that sounds so pretentious but like mm, it's true like true. i think especially at the moment that yeah. you kind of you don't really lock down your genre anymore where it's like you used to kind of relate to one thing or another but the fact that you're you're into kind of heavier not heavy, but like not heavier. Like heavier to me is like really heavy, but yeah, rock music. Yeah, it definitely wasn't super super heavy metal. Yeah, it was no. just more. I, I think that would have scared me at that age. I think yeah, yeah, I think it would scare anyone. Yeah. It's like 
Um, it's interesting to kind of talk about it because I relate those experiences to my daughter who's five years mm. old and it's mm. like I'm trying to bring her up musically but not like force it on her because whenever yeah. music was forced on me I'd hate it and like yeah. it would turn me off music so like yeah I just like want to kind of do it a little bit and you know it's like when do I introduce certain types of music to her like is she going to get it at this age and like yeah but to kind of when it's accidental in a kind of way and when they're into something accidentally I think that's that's cool and the fact mm. that you kind of are into the rock stuff at an early age is pretty good rather than kind of uh, being sucked in by pop music do you or, think you yeah, were or, a little bit or having classical music forced on you yeah, yeah oh, okay. oh of course I mean, yeah so I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, with, I'm with you what you're saying yeah definitely I'm uh, glad I didn't um, like like I said that Bob Marley memory is probably quite it sounds made up so mm. I'm quite glad it's quite credible I'm quite glad it wasn't like I don't know S Club 7 or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's like that's I think people should embrace that kind of you know learning. it's all the way in isn't it exactly it's like yeah, yeah. so i was saying like when i asked people what their first records were like um my first record was a backstreet boys single yeah well, there's and nothing Rob's, wrong with that Rob's was, like, you're, you're uh, yeah. little, so. exactly i know it's like that's the music that kind of appeals to you and like yeah um and then rob's was uh sean paul and blue Cantrell. Right. which is a banger like it's still a it's wow. still a really good track it's Forget like how young he is yeah. wow. <laughs> that's what i was thinking as well i was like oh my god like no no it's yeah. i think i think it's probably a bit like later on from yeah. when we were when we got our first records because like it's, that's just the way it was sometimes um that's yeah. the way it's sometimes um so you said about classical music as well like being mm. being forced upon you because i think um you know the thing that strikes people first about your music is that you play violin lucky there yeah yeah so when did you start learning to play violin when i was nine in uh in junior school um yeah my mum just said do you actually i don't fully remember but i'm assuming she said they're doing violin lessons in school do you want to try and yeah. i said yes okay luckily i said yes i very nearly gave up after three months because I was hating it, crying about having to play it because it was so difficult. And she said, just keep going. And then I got, I, I, then I learned Bright Eyes, the song from Watership Down. I worked it out myself. And, oh then my I was, and then I was away then. I was like, wow, I can actually do this. Yeah. That's... Even if it's all flat and sounds horrible. Oh, yeah, I know, like, <laughs> I think that there are a couple of instruments like that where it's so easy to just go, no, it's too difficult. Go yeah. And like violin and and flute and mm. things like that are like they're really difficult to get into yeah and it's not yeah. like as easy as picking up a recorder or picking up a guitar and getting into that that way i think violin's kind of you meet people who play violin and they've got a certain kind of discipline because they've learned it that way you know it's impressive when you start playing nightmare and you're playing rhapsody in blue and i'm like fuck yeah <laughs> I love Rhapsody in Blue. It was yeah, like, it's amazing, isn't it's it? It's such an incredible... Like, I was fortunate enough to have parents who introduced me into live music in a way which I don't think many... Well, well, maybe middle class and upper class kids do. But, like, I went to classical concerts in mm. St. David's Hall. Yeah. 
and those were like my first gigs. Yeah. And I saw Rhapsody in Blue played by an orchestra, and it's like Gosh. when I was probably like ten years old. Yeah. And it's like that's formative. That's yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. Like that's you need. Well, you don't need it, but it's like you yeah. appreciate music quite a bit more when that, things like that happen. Yeah. Make, make, makes me wonder. I, I, there was a program on Radio Four about Rhapsody, with Rhapsody in Blue featured on it yesterday. I was listening to it on the way to the gig. Mm. Just talking about it now makes me want to listen to it. Again. Yeah, it's just like it's one of those pieces. There's those like, horns, the warmth, yeah. the warmth of it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's so atmospheric. I know. It's like I wonder because. I think classical music is so... I mean, people can turn their nose up at it all they like, but it is the foundation of all music. Mm. And I don't think people still recognise it as that. And, like, it gets kind of put in a category where it's for older people. Like, yeah. you don't listen to classic FM if you're under 30. It's like... <laughs> yeah. It's like... I mean, yeah, it's like... That's because that's, it's not who's, who that's aimed at. But at the same time, it's classical music is so rich and so kind of yeah it's not just like fucking like mozart and beethoven and stuff mm. it's like mm. you can find some really incredible pieces yeah and that really speak to you mm. as long as you want to sit down and engage with that kind of thing yeah but even um mozart was kind of like the the Justin Timberlake of his day yeah or <laughs> justin beaver maybe <laughs> um yeah yeah exactly and you know, I think, but now he seems, it seems like he's a uh, fuddy-duddy music, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I don't know, maybe. People do write but it off, I think. I, people do write off classical music, and I think you can be so invested in modern popular music or music from the 60s or 70s, why not be invested mm. that much in music that came from the 1700s? It's like, yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't exactly practice what I preach, but when I do listen to classical music, I do appreciate it. Mm. And like, I don't have much on my iPod, but at the same time, it's like if a piece of classical music comes on, I'm not going to go, oh, that's crap, I'm going to turn it off. It's like, yeah, yeah. you do understand it. And I'm not sure if it's maybe because people don't understand it now as much as people used to. It's just trends moving on, isn't it? Isn't yeah, it? but I also just... think, you know, when you're in school, you could either play guitar or you can play a classical instrument. And mm. I'm, I'm not sure, obviously, I came from a middle-class background where that was quite common. You, mm. It was quite common to play a musical instrument. I mean, it wasn't the majority of people, but there was a pretty strong orchestra in my high school. Mm. But I don't know if it's like that in most schools. There's no orchestra in my school. There's a couple of... Well, Rob probably tell you. There's a, there's a couple of people who were into learning instruments at the time yeah. I was there. And, and I thought I thought we were very much being... I thought we were being singled out for playing those instruments at the time for us us being abnormally studious but I think looking back I've met met people from school since and I think people actually were actually a bit amazed that there was people in our school playing Mm. playing instruments we definitely never had an orchestra I did play in the county ones though they were really fun they were very formative it's a good word. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was ever any good to be in the right. county. Right. <laughs> you know, the violin's an interesting instrument because it works both on its own and if you have 20 violinists and you have one violinist or four violinists, 
they create a different effect, yeah, but they're, yeah. they're still they're still good. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what would happen if you had 300 violinists. Like, yeah. would it sound like those, you know, Italian? Have you seen those Italian videos of the guy, everyone playing the same song at the same time? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, yeah. that's what I'm thinking in my head. It's like, is it like that? Is it like is it like when when uh, all the bassists would play the same thing in high school orchestra like because yeah. they we'd have these like orchestra kind of showcases things to, like mm. show off the fact that, and you have like six bassists playing once and you're there just like oh my god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like that's not that's not how music's supposed to be like I can appreciate maybe two bassists but no six, yeah. six is too much. Um, I'd but, love yeah. to hear three hundred violins. Like, yeah, but, but what would that would that would that be too much? Would it be like too? Because when you've got three hundred people singing, oh, I think it'd be I think it'd be incredible. Yeah, because all those different differently crafted instruments are all very slightly yeah. different timbres. And well, that's that's the thing with like choirs when you have three hundred people singing together. It, yeah. it can kind of create something yeah. quite amazing. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, maybe maybe with violins it can do that. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Like a solo violin sounds very different to full violinist, and that sounds very different to an yeah. orchestra violinist. Yeah. It's like yeah. I think so. That makes it quite an interesting instrument. But like you said, it's really difficult. I was going to say a few minutes ago, yeah, that the um, I think lots of kids give it up because. It's really hard to talk about this without blowing my own trumpet. <laughs> playing your own violin. Playing my own violin, yeah. <laughs> I think it requires a real degree of precision. Yeah, it's a kid's attention spans to focus on that much precision. Is, yeah. I, I think it's quite rare. But saying that, I mean, I'm saying that, and then again I was listening to, um, on the way back from Cambridge last night, playing a gig, there's program about min minium some somebody kim a violinist mm. who had her stradivarius stolen mm. in um in in a cafe in london on, when she was on her way to a, a gig in birmingham or something and they were playing they were playing excerpts of her playing on the violin mm-hmm. and i was just like wow, this, this would take it would take me the amount of time it would take yeah. me to be as good as her is, is, is I, I, I can't relate to it. So there's such such a steep learning curve with the violin, or shallow, I should say, steep, yeah, shallow, steep, shallow. mild. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. like you can what learning one new piece that's incredibly difficult doesn't yeah. mean at all that you'll be able to play the next incredibly yeah. difficult piece because they could they could be totally evolve, different. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so much different. F- technique or so much different detail that Mm. that you haven't already mastered that it would take another you know hundreds of weeks to do yeah because you're right because there are so many different techniques so it's it's yeah it's not only a versatile instrument it's a instrument that can do a lot and people don't recognize that they just like they think violin and they think you know either sweeping strings in an orchestra or Mm. like the guy playing it on the side of the like street like just Mm. like playing a kind of fiddle kind of thing but it's actually there's so much more to it and people say it's the closest to the the human voice and we've all been most of us all had a voice from birth and yeah and can most people can adequately sing but so if you think about from from birth having that if you've had a violin from birth you'd probably be quite good at it by the time you're 18 <laughs> but, but but at the same time <laughs> with the human voice there's limitations yeah but in 
in theory, you could do everything on a violin because there isn't a limitation to it. Because with the human voice, say, there's only certain octaves you could reach unless you really, really... I don't know. I don't... No, I, don't. I don't know if... Um, I don't know if the highest note you can play in on the... I'm guessing the highest note definitely has harmonics up to the... Yeah. The limit of your hearing because... As, um, as men, we mm. can't hit the highest note a woman can. Mm. Mm. But you can do that on the violin. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's no physical limitations yeah. and let, except practice, essentially. Yeah. And, how, and how stiff your hand is or <laughs> flexible. Yeah. So you started learning violin when you were nine. Yeah. And then uh, you, you obviously learnt it through like, being a teenager. Yeah. Um, so that kind of shift then into, I think a lot of people will discover what they like, really like musically when they become a teenager. So what do you think, what do you remember what you were listening to as a teenager? As a teenager, it was always hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it did come around about the same time as I started learning violin that my uncle, my mum's brother who lived with us, he, he, he had this like a real big old hi-fi separates thing. I wish we still had. It's really nice, and he'd play. He'd play um, the vinyl of um, "Raising Hell," Run DMC album, yeah. and that, and and then uh, I think that was actually. I was like, oh, they did a song with Aerosmith, and and that was. Oh. And then, for, so for, but from there, I think there was a good few years when I was more interested in football than music. <laughs> Maybe till about eleven or twelve, and then. And then, and then I just, I all all the hip hop my uncle was playing me. So it was it was uh, Beastie Boys, Check Your Head, and a couple of Ice T albums because his voice was just unfathomably deep. And I've just found it fascinating mm. Ice T's voice. Um, Run DMC, lots of Run DMC, De La Soul, Tribal Quest, Naughty by Nature, but. It- but going so back to that, in, yeah, going yeah. back to that Eric Smith and Run DMC thing, that's interesting mm-hmm. because I think the way I got into hip hop was through similar means. Like I, right. I did, I did like hear that track and be like, oh, that's a rock band playing with with yeah, a hip hop yeah. band. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I always preferred the rock bit and like never really got into the hip hop bit. Right. But the way I got into hip hop was through this guy called POS from from Minneapolis. I don't, I don't, I think I've maybe mentioned him to you before. But yeah. he comes from a punk background. Okay. Yeah. And so this album that I first listened to was a lot of like punk drumming and rock yeah. kind of guitars behind it. Cool. And yeah. so I got into hip hop through that, and now I'm fully into hip hop and right. it doesn't have to sound like that yeah but crossover think, yeah getting <laughs> getting that crossover is really important i think so you can kind of but the fact that you're saying it happened in a similar way to you do you think that's yeah, yeah. that's why you kind of got into i hip-hop? think so i think so but i realized the other day i've probably always known that it definitely owed as much to things like bart simpson do the bart man <laughs> the fresh prince of bel-air uh yeah. And, and Turtle Power by Partners in yeah, Crime. You, you, you kind of want to kind of say I, it's Run yeah. DMC, but in, in the end, like for me, it's probably like Eminem that like, uh, yeah, kind of um, made me a little bit interested in rap or something yeah, like that. And it's like... Eminem was kind of like, in a way, sort of like the, the sprint to the finish. Like mm. he was sort of like, I was already avid about it. And then I was like, fuck me, a white guy can do it as well as, <laughs> as, well as black people can. <laughs> You were, it was you were, heartening. You uh, weren't in the Vanilla Ice generation then. No, I think I think Ice Ice Baby was maybe about ninety one, ninety two, okay. which well, I would have been um, eight or nine. Yeah, 
But I think probably my uncle's very vocal about music, so he was probably like, oh, you don't want to listen to that. Good, good. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's because it's like, I think that's the first iteration of a white guy trying to do rap was yeah. Vanilla Ice, and then it fucking died on its ass. Yeah. And then Eminem came along, and he go, oh, yeah. And then that's yeah. kind of like when it... Maybe startling actually when he came out yeah I, I i i never i always there's always a song he'll bring out still now that'll really inspire me it's really startling I yeah i've kind of got reservations about eminem but that's that's yeah oh i but definitely like, yeah i mean I definitely i'm sure everyone do does but it's yeah. like when i got into well i think when i got into hip, hip-hop it was i was finding people who weren't swearing their heads off or being mm. like mm. homophobic or anti-women yeah. and that kind of got me into the more stuff that is unfortunately a bit more like that but yeah yeah kind of softened the blow for me kind of yeah uh, my political correctness yeah <laughs> um so that so you kind of got into hip-hop and and tropical quest and and things like that, that kind and of thing yeah when do you think you started writing music was it around then or was it later on i actually have a folder here with the first song i wrote in it <laughs> i made sure i brought it all back from my mum's attic oh my i God. think i was about 13 when i first had a go remember there's a scoring program i think it's now called sonar but it was called cakewalk originally i had a free version of it on my stepdad stepdad at the times computer because i was probably about grade three or four on the violin by then i could read music well and i I started having a go with it and i was like ah i started trying to make midi emulations of music i was listening to so i really wish i still had them so i had a good sort of 50 50 60 what do you call it transcriptions of of the of the tunes i was listening to just made on general midi and some of them are really good and then from there i was like oh i'll try doing some of my own and then okay. uh, then, then i thought well why don't i try and write some raps to him as well and the, the first few were really funny i still so got it's, a couple so it's, of it was all like midi stuff like yeah and this is like late yeah, late nineties, early noughties kind of. Yeah, first stuff I probably recorded was ninety seven, but but I still have a few of those things. I'm not going to tell you how old it was ninety seven. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> it's, like, it's yeah, I know, I know, but it's funny to kind of like put that in context of what because ninety seven for me was like the first year I really was re- like aware of pop culture right. and what was going on with music and stuff, and so yeah. it's interesting to place you listening to that mm. kind of music then whereas yeah. and it's like it's interesting to go back on but hear bands that i like now what yeah. they sounded like then and yeah, the yeah. Kind of context yeah, of really the music is. like that yeah so making those midi things it's like that's that must have been really really early midi kind of yeah, like the yeah. really basic stuff um yeah it's really exciting i get yeah i guess and the fact you could just like plug stuff like plumb stuff into computer yeah. and now like if you showed like 13 year old self what you could do on a computer yeah he it just blow his mind. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, like, it really would. It's like, it really these would. These drums sound like actual drums. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's because they sample the drums and you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's where you started writing those kind of rap things. And then, but that was that kind of all news, like instruments that were typically in rap. Like, no, 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 no. Well, the drums, definitely. Yeah. There was three, different drum kits you had if you searched around on the on channel 10 on general midi there was three different uh, you'd have remember hun- these things yeah you'd have, <laughs> yeah, but when you when you literally were like so confined to the yeah. like oh man yeah, yeah there was only one good snare and and, <laughs> and i used that in almost all the tunes and the kicks were really really rubbish 
<laughs> ride symbols. Yeah. I still use the ride symbols to this day, actually, because they sound perfect. Yeah. I, I tried to experiment a lot with the instruments. Some of the more weird uh, sort of oriental uh, instruments used to sound really good as pretend synths, even though they were obviously made from a synth. They actually sounded yeah. good as... When did that jump from the computer then to real-life instruments, as it were? Um, when Cakewalk Pro Audio came out, probably, actually, <laughs> which is, which is, I think, a year before I started uni. Then I actually started um, using yeah, real samples. I, I think I left that quite a bit late, really, mm. because... I was in a little, I was in a little hip hop crew with with my two, three of my best mates mm. at the time, three of my only mates really, mm. if I'm honest, and uh, and and we we actually we actually had a demo, a little demo reviewed in Hip Hop Connection magazine, it's British hip hop magazine, yeah, and 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 it, I can remember it word for word actually, but one one of the things they said was when that was when I was sixteen I think, and one of the things they said was that we needed better equipment and there was there was loads of better equipment yeah. around at that time yeah but i'd just gone sort of single-minded hell for leather into using what i was using and trying to get the best out so of it. you were still using those midi still tracks what i'm doing now actually with, yeah. with my project project at the moment and just trying to eke the last potential out of using a violin and a loop pedal but, but why why yeah. not because it's yeah why it's, not yeah I think it's it's kind of contributed to that to your success in that way because it is it's unique but it's also good. But I say that in a sense that uh, you know you can have bands or groups or acts that kind of have got that. Uh, oh, I keep forgetting the word for gimmick, hmm. but obviously with you there is musical talent behind it. You're just manipulating what you can do with a violin, what you can do with a cajon, what you can you, you can do with a loop pedal to make it into hip-hop. Yeah. And, like, I think people are just, like, quite flawed by that, which is good, but like then... like it when they are. Yeah, yeah. but, like, but, yeah, but the thing is, you can get flawed by someone doing loop pedal stuff, but once you see that once, then you can go, but where's, like, is there kind of substance behind it? And so, for, for me, like, I do see loop pedal artist so i'm like okay cool you can do all the technical stuff but you haven't got any good like your songs are crap because you're relying on that gimmick but with you it's kind of you're writing the songs and then manipulating them into the format rather than the other way around yeah 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 so you've got yeah. the, that content behind the songs but again with, i'm glad with, you notice things like that i see i've been thinking about that a lot lately thinking yeah, this is an impressive concept, but are the songs any good? And yeah. It's only the last two or three years I've actually thought, yeah, some of them are actually pretty good. So I, yeah, I'm quite and pleased. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I've got the really controversial opinion that I don't enjoy the Beatles. Right. I appreciate what they did. Technically. <laughs> Yeah. What's that? It's a tangent. I, no, 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 no. I'm, 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 yeah, getting, right, I'm coming around to it. I appreciate, I appreciate what, they what they did technically yeah, yeah. and like musically and yeah. sonically and stuff. But I don't enjoy the music because That's, I don't yeah, because I don't find any. I personally don't find any substance in it, hmm. and 
you know, a lot of people are going to hate me for that. But like, mm. I find sub- more substance in modern pop music than I do in the Beatles. Right. And it's also, and there's another reason for it as well, which is because okay, a lot of, mean, yeah. most modern music is influenced by the Beatles. So what I hear is kind of like everything that's derivative from that. Mm. And it makes it hard to listen to it. Mm. It's like, mm. yeah, it's it's a connected tangent. And it, was, it just seems no, like no, me no, just saying that. It is, that it is, it is sorry. <laughs> just, just the way you started it. was like, oh, oh, we're talking about the Beatles yeah, now. Yeah. I know, it's like, okay, it's like one of those things that kind of inevitably comes up like oh god like at the moment it's Ed Sheeran and it's like which is something I probably to discuss because Ed Sheeran started out as a loop pedal artist and mm. it's kind of brought loop pedals to the mainstream yeah. but also not because I don't I think like maybe 25% 50% of people who like Ed Sheeran are aware that he used loop pedals a lot of people just think it's magic, probably. Yeah, and they don't understand it. Um, I think yeah. the first time I saw someone using a loop pedal was this guy called Yov. Okay. And he's this guy from Oxford. Tip- he doesn't do typical kind of British music. Yeah. And I saw him at the big weekend in Cardiff doing this loop pedal stuff. Hmm. And I, I found it, I was like, how is he doing that? Hmm. And then I looked it up and I was like, this is really interesting. And hmm. I still like listen to his music, but then kind of heard other people start doing it and... Another artist who, um, well, obviously then I was aware of loop pedal stuff. Uh, I saw it a little bit after that. And then uh, Kizzy Crawford from Merthyr and Cardiff um, started taking it up. Yeah. And it was like, she, I thought she was impressive to begin with. And then she started doing this loop pedal stuff that kind of added to it. Yeah. Because she was doing a lot of these solo gigs, she needed to kind of build up the sound that she wanted. And that's why she did it rather than the way you did it, which was, you had these, I don't know, like, I don't, I, I that's probably a good question to ask is how, yeah, when, what was the shift from hip hop to violin and cajon and the loop pedal? Was it a, a well, slow process? I was doing the whole backing track occasionally with the DJ and just mm. rhyming over the top, which these days so much, I find about 90% of that really boring when I see it live. <laughs> that's not what you asked me, but... No, no, <laughs> I mean, but it's a good, it's a good I'm point really, to make. I'm really, yeah. so glad I don't, don't do that anymore. Yeah. Cause it, but I think I got into the loop pedals because uh, I've had. i got these friends, uh, Bunty, actually. She's a very successful musician in her own right in Brighton, Cassia. Um, she goes into the name Bunty, and at the time, her and her boyfriend had a project uh, called Bunty versus Chicken Shit. <laughs> Her boyfriend. But they both had the Boss RC50, I think, with the two pedals. Mm. And I think that was the first... And they were both beatboxers. This would have been 2004 and five. They used to play at a night that I also played at every month called Point Breaks. And uh, it might have been every fortnight, actually. And they always blew everybody away, and I always remember looking at watching i saw him loads of times and i watched it and understood what was happening and and then and then around the same time it was, it was beardy man really started using uh, one yeah of course and and when you actually when you're saying about ed sheeran bringing luke pedals into the mainstream i i'm gutted that it wasn't beardy man who did the same thing yeah he's so much better yeah oh and another <laughs> one that um rob got me into actually was dub effects yeah you, yeah yeah and like i was like watching amazing. those going whoa and now i'm like but now it's it's about the substance. It's like, mm. yeah, he mm. was amazing technically, mm. but at the end of the day, like, I didn't, I wasn't listening to him on my iPod. I was just watching those videos. It was just like, oh, that's something new and interesting. Yeah. Rather than, oh, this is music I like. Yeah, I I think his drums are amazing. I 
but um, dub effects. And there's uh, who uh, Mr. Woodnote is really good, and a guy called MZ Zander. I don't know if you've ever seen him. There's lots of people doing it with a loop pedal. And there's a couple. There's actually a, vi a violin looper in Bristol, Claire Northy, who came to my album launch last week, and she makes really kind of ambient trip hoppy stuff with a violin. Uh, I think we're going to try and do a gig together. That's maybe. cool. Beardy Man, I think, really yeah. piqued my interest in it. So so you were kind of rapping with, with a backing track. Were you, yeah. were you like becoming aware that you, that wasn't what you wanted to do? Not really, no. All right. <laughs> Not really. I was... I think I was really cocky right then. I was just like, yeah. Well, I called myself... I called myself D-Face at the time. All right. And that... Uh, and um, yeah, nothing to do with my face or the smiley on the emoticon. Yeah. It's actually because um, on the tenor clef, the lines up the side read D F A C E. Oh, um, the tenor clef that you know tenor instruments yeah. or voices play. <laughs> Always thinking, see. <laughs> no, it's that, but that's you know that's that's interesting like, oh, because that, word. <laughs> were the backing tracks you were rapping over were they classically influenced or i guess so yes yeah, yeah a lot of classical samples yeah yeah um, so but so maybe that was why you kind of thought of calling it that yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah i was deep in learning about music theory mm. at the time well i called myself that from about 13 or 14 actually till yeah. i was till i was 20 Seven, twenty-eight. Yeah. No, it's interesting to note that you were still had that classical influence, and you weren't going fully hip hop. Mm. You were still like integrating the classical side of it. Yeah. So I was doing the backing tracks, and I must have impressed a couple of my mates because I ended up in a band then with in a okay. in a funk band. We we decided we kind of described ourselves as we described ourselves as cyber funk. It was it was like. It was uh, funk with some very ambient um, so textures. Is that it. is that anything to do with cyberpunk? No, nothing oh, to do nothing with cyberpunk. Oh, more to would... do with Cybertron, actually, than, than as in the Transformers. Oh, okay. More, more Not, to do with just yeah. spacey sounds. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, we, we were called. <laughs> I, just, I just thought for a moment, like, what would cyberpunk sound like mixed with cyber, like funk? Like that yeah. seems yeah. mental. But yeah. Like. Okay, yeah. that's that's the thing I'll have to imagine some other time. <laughs> it, it was a band called um, called Rubberjack. They they already existed as a band from mm. they lived in Lincoln together. I think it's my friends Colin, Jay, and Matt, and and I think they I think Colin gave me some some beats and and I put some lyrics on a couple of them, and then we just had a jam as a band. And I, I would have been this would have been about two thousand four or five again. Mm. And we were in a band for about three or four years, and but I was partaking of a lot of substances <laughs> at the time, and I wasn't very, did. I wasn't very focused. And, but what, uh, what were you doing in the band? Like I was just front man. I was just, just I rapping. was just the MC. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I really loved it. I've, there's plenty of that online. Um, yeah, and I've got some CDs of it. They were very driven, and I think they wanted me to be driven, but I was really distracted with girls and i'm not trying to make it sound like a mega rock and roll but i was taking quite a lot of drugs at the time yeah. <laughs> and it not not to a point where it's a problem but it i just wasn't at all focused on yeah. anything really was that because of the music or was, seconds. Was, was that because of the music or was it just that was just generally what was going on with you at that point it's just yeah it's just i think i 
achieved some kind of confidence and I was just abusing it really whereas now I'm sort of trying to push it in the right direction yeah (laughs) it was brilliant being in that band I wish I'd been as focused then as I am now but I love doing what I'm doing now yeah and then then after that it was a a period when it was me and a loop pedal and my friend Nick who was from the band DJing and we called Mm -hmm. ourselves Fidgetal and we played loads of covers of pretty cool Either pop songs or dance tunes. Like okay. for example, we did a we did a like a, a mashup of um, Calvin Harris. Uh, was it is it Dance with Me when we're Dizzy Rascal? Yeah, did a mashup of that into Come As You Are by Nirvana. <laughs> it actually was. It actually was. It really worked. <laughs> but 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 it was a good three years of playing covers, and it destroyed my soul. Oh god! We, yeah. we were getting loads of bookings in Europe and stuff, and it was my first experience of touring. But I I couldn't do that anymore. I I, I really love Nick. He's one of my best friends. Um, but I couldn't continue with that project because I it's not really what music's about for me. It's, yeah, it wasn't. We weren't creating anything new. We were just getting paid off the backs of people who put work in. <laughs> it was um, yeah. I mean, not for me, <laughs> it's fun to a certain point, and then you realise you're not doing anything creative. Yeah, you're just just re, re, recreating something um yeah so so that was kind of like loop pedal and then back and track how did that well yeah that was loop pedal and and the, the the bits we did together is me and he would beat juggle yeah they were really like that we were really onto something there and i the, the version of organ donor i play now i used to do with with him juggling so you know be cutting up kicks and snares live and it would always just about be in sync because it's really hard to sync yeah. a loop pedal and a dj God. but but th- th- that those bits when we were really really striving to be quite original with it were brilliant Was that, so the, the beat juggling would be a lot of the time he would just want to play a backing track and have yeah. me, me pluck in or something. But so for the uninitiated, beat juggling is, is beat what? Beat juggling is so you've got two copies of the same drum break, a drum beat, uh, probably probably about four or five seconds, and the DJ swaps between the two records at appropriate points mm-hmm. to build up a new drum beat. To do that requires so much skill. Yeah. And then to put it to a loop pedal. Yeah. That's fucking mental. <laughs> yeah, well, it was all on him, really. Yeah, because the loop, the yeah, going, the loop stays stays yeah. as it is. Yeah. And then <laughs> he has to keep up with it. So all. There, was, there was quite a few gigs wow. in, in Europe where we'd been treated amazingly by the promoters, as you tend to yeah. be when you go over there, and which generally meant we'd had a few drinks. <laughs> and then trying <laughs> to put it together was... Oh it could be a little embarrassing, yeah. At, at least, but when it yeah. when it works, it works. When it then, works, it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah, there's some, there's definitely some fidgetal online as well. That's cool. If anybody wants to listen to it, F I D G I T A L. Okay. Yeah. So, I was, we still haven't got onto how you got actually the violin and the, the everything involved with the loop pedal. Then is that the first year I was in Bristol? I had 
the the old one layer one, the Digitech one. Yeah. Um, and I was just I was just doing I was just playing random songs then, just ones that I'd had from the few years before in Brighton or or brand new ones. It's yeah. it's, it's fun, but it, it's it's much more um the project's much more cohesive now, much more coherent. Probably I play I started playing loads of open mics. I was trying to do a different open mic every yeah. week. That that's interesting as well. So what do you do in uni? I think I skipped over that. Digital music. Okay. Yeah. So that was probably why you ended up being a regular. The, the more correct answer to that would be smoke weed, I yeah. think. <laughs> but, you know, that's what 75% of music students do yeah. anyway. Like, like um, fortunately, I never really warmed to weed. So oh, I good. was like, yeah. it was never anything that was like, <laughs> that interested glad. me. Um, it was more alcohol, but like, that's, that's just because I'm from Cardiff. Um, <laughs> that's how you kind of fell into doing sound, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I went yeah. to uni thinking... I wanted to be a sound engineer. And okay. The first lecture, the head lecturer said, "We're not here to create sound engineers. I guess I'll be smoking weed for three years." Yeah, my so. first, my first <laughs> lecture was, um, "Right, do all your partying in the first year." I was like, "Done," yeah. <laughs> and just went so hard and almost dropped out of uni in the first year because oh, of no. that. Yeah, I've heard that story quite a few times actually. Not about you, yeah. but other people. No, it was it was a composition course mm. really. Um, okay. which was really it was useful I started using Logic rather than Cakewalk which was a, which was a good thing <laughs> bit of a step up yeah yeah. but my intention was to do sound and I learnt more doing sound in the first two weeks someone gave me an opportunity than I did in three years at uni that's because it wasn't that kind of course okay 2011 started working in Thackler and yeah this brings us to where you were I think mm, yeah. yeah so Thackler is kind of one of Bristol's most most iconic venues I would say yeah probably more to do its location mm. than anything else so Thecla yeah so Thecla's on a boat in Bristol Harbour um, mm. and that makes it quite unique it's got a Banksy on the side has it still got the Banksy on the side no that got cut off <gasps> um, to keep I think it's in the M shed Oh, it's so it's, it still exists. Pounds, yeah. So, yeah. But why did it get cut? Because it was getting eroded uh, or something. Because the boat was being... Uh, the boat went into dry dock for, what do you call it, refurbishment and stuff. Mm. And uh, and they said that it was, yeah, it was getting degraded. So they cut it off and it's now in the M shed in Bristol. It's a bit of a dive venue, but at the same time, it's kind of like got a really good reputation. And, yeah. Um, that's kind of a an interesting place to cut your teeth as a sound engineer mm. i mean i kind of it wasn't well i mean I'd, I'd been doing sound for a long time before then oh, okay yeah since since uh, in brighton in since about 2007 oh, right. okay at, at comedia in brighton that's that's where i'd cut my teeth definitely oh, as a sound okay man. cool yeah. that's where you kind of learn to do sound i guess mm. so that's mm. that's a pretty decent place to start um and then you came to, to Bristol and then did sound, was doing sound with Thecla. The loop pedal stuff, let's go back to that. So that's kind of started up and you did it with violin. And how was that mm. first received? First time was, well, yeah, I, I, I think really, I think it was quite a clever tactical decision to do it at open mic nights because the majority of people are one guy with a guitar. Mm. And I knew people were going to be a bit impressed by a, a classical violinist with a loop pedal so it went down really well without you know with, without exception always 
Yeah. But it's now, I think now it's it's proper act now. Like yeah. It's not... Um, so I think it relates to what we were talking about, about it being a technical feat mm. and people appreciating that at an open mic rather than what you're actually doing. So in that sense, yeah. I think maybe you were able to build it up mm. through those things. Yeah. And then... Yeah, the open mic nights helped a lot. Yeah, I think, sure. yeah, open mic, open mic nights strike fear into some people. Yeah. But for other people, they're really, really useful. Yeah, it's a shame that it seems to be like spectators to them aren't as thick and fast as you'd hope. But you, 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 from doing so many as I've done, you get so much stuff you never expect to see at them. I think yeah. often the audience is just other musicians. Yeah. Which yeah, can be yeah, quite that's what I mean. that's conducive to a good... That, that you don't get more people yeah, just coming around for me, as, For me, as, as, a kind of, as a non-musician, in a sense, because I don't make... Like I'm not in a band. I'm not. I don't make my own music. I have. I feel really awkward when I'm listening to someone who I don't think is very good. Mm, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, it's, yeah. I find it very difficult to sit in a room and listen to music. I think feel is poor. Yeah, and I feel not only I, do I I feel bad for them, but I also feel annoyed at them. <laughs> like, do you not do you not feel that you're sort of you're mentoring with the was it the forte? Yeah, yeah, project? but that's you don't think that helps inform you to look for the best in. Definitely. In, in the bad oh, definitely, definitely. But then you're still going to get. You still feel awkward, though, don't you? No, I, no, I, no. I, I, I do too. I, I know. What you I mean. mean, I do. I think. <laughs> I think me and Rob kind of. I mentioning Rob again, but I think we do discuss music a lot, and some music that I'm into that's quite raw and quite early on. He doesn't understand why I like it, mm. and I go, "Oh, it's because there's potential there." Mm. Mm. But with open mics, sometimes you can go, "Oh, there's potential there," but other yeah. people are like you literally have no musical talent. <laughs> yeah. Please stop what you're doing. But it, that sounds so harsh, but at the same time, yeah. it's like, we both know that that's true. Like there are yeah. some people who go out there and they're really passionate mm. and they really kind of, you're, you, they're you lovely people. What doing. Yeah. You can feel, you can understand what they're trying to do. Yeah. But at the same time, they you wish they'd stop. <laughs> yeah. And the way I heard about you was probably you were supporting junior bill. Mm. Um, and that's, I think that's the first time I saw you, but it was only until maybe beginning of last year that I saw you do a whole set. And that was in, in the bird's nest in Deptford. And I was like oh, listening to your, I was going, wow, this is really cool. And then kind of got into it and listened to stuff online and stuff. And I was like, oh, right, this is, this makes more sense than just like the technical side of things. Oh, but, good. Um, I yeah. think there was a song I really liked you did that I don't think I've heard you do since. Uh, which was about your time in the Thecla. Yeah. You've got a song where you're talking about being a sound engineer and being like... Yeah, it's called work. Fly in the ointment, the tech guy. The only one who doesn't like it here. Yeah, why do we need him moping around all tension and pressure? Because he's the only one who can string a fucking sentence together. <laughs> Listen, I know you're all human beings. I work hard, but I can't play up to the schmooze I'm seeing. So if it works, take the boss your workbook and work code. And don't be work shy as you work out his workload. It isn't working. It really isn't working. I wrote it in a frenzy after I got a really frustrating superior email, uh, an email from a colleague who who's supposed to be at my level in the organisation, uh, and and he um, was being very condescending and patronising and uh, author authoritative, and I I got it and I just 
I just walked out of my house, slammed the door, took a book, took my writing book with me and sat down in a pub with a coffee and just wrote it in about 15 minutes as my response. I'm glad I didn't email him back what I wrote. It's quite selfish of me to enjoy that song, though, because I relate to it so much. That was a few years after you kind of started coming, maybe a year or a year and a half after you started playing shows in Cardiff. I think, yeah, my sister, as lots of people in the Cardiff music scene do, sister's boyfriend knows Owen Bowley quite well okay. and uh, asked Owen to put me on. And I got, I got a lot to be thankful to Bowley for. He really, really helped me. So, that, yeah, that was when I got my first, bizarrely, my first gig in my hometown. That's so weird. It is strange. 14 being the first gig. Yeah, it's strange that you are from <laughs> Cardiff, move well... From, I played, from I busked a little bit in Cardiff yeah, so when you're I was a lot from younger. From Reading, moved to Cardiff. Uh, from Reading, moved to Cardiff when I was five. Went to uni in Brighton when yeah. I was nineteen, and moved to Bristol when yeah. I was twenty-seven. And ended up back in Cardiff. Ended up playing back in Cardiff yeah. eventually. Yeah, in five two years time, you'll be playing Reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, no, don't I don't wish that upon anyone. <laughs> no. no offense to anyone from Reading, but it's quite uh, a drab. <laughs> place yeah. no offense to anyone from yeah, to um if i think people in reading know that yeah <laughs> so your music obviously incorporates all the classical elements and and the loop pedal elements mm-hmm. but then it's kind of got that wit that hip-hop so kind of relishes and is so designed for and i really enjoy that and i think uh, I'm going to bring up a thorny subject now. Um, I reviewed your EP oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you were, there we go. <laughs> you were a little bit disappointed in what I had to say. But, um, I mean, it, it did purely come from a critical perspective and it came from kind of my own perspective on hip-hop. Yeah. And I really enjoy what you do. Yeah, I think you're, it's, it is really witty and also I get really interested by the different kind of styles you kind of go for. Like, <laughs> um, so in hip-hop, like, you can kind of have, you know, really kind of hard, aggressive stuff. You can have quite fast, lyrical stuff, but you can also have that kind of pop element as well mm-hmm. sometimes. And, like, there's a song you do, which is my favourite song, I think, that I've heard from you recently. It's the one you do with Rob, which is Undo. And that we didn't, we'll let it be. has that thing which I call the well it's not what I call the Rihanna hook but someone else called it that and I I now incorporate that as kind of like the Rihanna hook is quite funny to say but it's like that kind of chorus where you have someone singing uh, in between the rapped verses yeah Um, but then what I was critical of was um, the kind of uh, train of thought in a sense raps that are quite prevalent in British hip hop do you mean on OK yeah. KO? Yeah, yeah. K 
The losers are winning, man, the winners are losing. Trump and Theresa in the cinema smooching. Breakfast at Tiffany's, dinner with Putin. Leaving the EU was putting the boot in. The music industry, it is the business of schmoozing. A rights battle like a fight, nail and toothing. When I sit down at night, try to zippity do things, I know that Mike just might live to improve things. And I think that kind of was like a point of contention between us when I sent you the review. Well, I mean, if, but for you, you really like that song. And yeah, like, you just reminded me. I'm going to have to go around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you were happy with what I said, but at the same time, I wasn't... No, it was, it I was actually interesting. Yeah, like, it's, um, to have that kind of point of view. And I, I actually s- agree with you what you said about Men With Guns. I completely agree yeah. with you about that. I, I sort of put, I put that on there because... Sorry, you about to ask a question? No, 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 it's fine. No, okay. I, okay. You, you, you told me you put that on there because you were recommended to. Yeah. I, we won't say by who, but like yeah. <laughs> they know who they are. Um, mm. And... Yeah, I I like Men With Guns and I think that's kind of like there's two two or three sides to you where that's kind of like your like witty kind of Friday night in the full moon kind of thing, kind of mm-hmm. getting people, drawing people in with kind of amusing yeah. things. Yeah. And then you've got your um, kind of not softer side, but more kind of classical side mm-hmm. with stuff like Undo and then uh, Nightmare and things like that, mm-hmm. where it's kind of a bit darker or a bit more interesting and that's the stuff that really appeals to me so i'm not really into like i understand and appreciate the the first one but like the thing that really i really enjoy about your music is the second one and then you've got the third one which is this one i don't like so much which is the kind of off the not off the top of the heads but kind of it sounds like and it's yeah with that it's kind of i feel really bad especially face to face now it's like but it's like the it's quite common in not just British hip hop, I think it's common where it's just a train of thought kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, there is kind of the, the wit and there's the mashing up of things, but to me it can keep, seem kind of I thought, yeah, I'm, I, I I'm quite, I'm quite gutted that you didn't like OK actually, because that, that's some of my favourite writing that I've ever done. I was actually, I, I see that one as more of a, it's more of like a technical writing piece with, mm. um, with what I thought, <laughs> what I thought were quite pertinent opinions of on, on our times, but no, I, I, I do sort of see what you mean. I, I think it. I really think it's just a matter of personal taste. I think it is, that, and I think that. a lot of other people would enjoy that song. But from what what my perspective was, was you're saying things. <laughs> I don't know. It's like I feel really awful trying to like d- describe it, and it's hard to kind of be critical in that sense because you are a mate and it's like uh, but I think I'd say the same thing to Rob no I think I'd say the same thing to Rob if he wrote if he wrote a song where it's and like there is he does have songs like that it's like Tatty Laces is one of those songs where it's just it's complete stream of conscious kind of thing but it's got the chorus in it Mm. and I am not afraid to say that Tatty Laces is probably one of my least favourite Junior Bill songs because of I that really, I really like it yeah exactly and like it's the it's, <laughs> it is, taste, it's the it, most popular Junior Bill song out there yeah. it's that kind of music and it is it yeah it definitely comes down to personal taste you're right uh, and I think a lot of people like certain types of hip hop because it's like that mm. and because it's kind of like but for me and maybe some other people I think when it comes to hip hop and rap that does that it's kind of yeah it's impressive lyrically mm. but it's not 
musically yeah. kind of shaped. It is more kind of interpreting spoken word into music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It, it actually, the only time I've ever performed that one was as a spoken word piece. Maybe yeah. it actually works a lot better. As I think it is, it is a spoken word piece, but, you know, I was listening to Saul Williams coming here and, like, hmm. he obviously started out doing spoken words and then put hmm. it to music. And hmm. some of it works and some of it doesn't. Like, coded language is one that's kind of does work better as a spoken word piece, for hmm. without a doubt. And then... List, list of Demands is really good. Yeah, list, but that's, a, that's not a... That's not that a spoken word piece. A that's that's right. realised as a song. Yeah, yeah. But then there's one called Black Stacy, which started out as a spoken word piece and works way yeah. better as a really good as, as a song. song yeah. yeah, that's yeah. what I was listening to on the way here. That's yeah. a, that's amazing that song. It, yeah. Like, yeah. and it's like you, he's not he's some of the things he's saying that song are like really kind of like oh shit like that's yeah. that's horrible. But it's a, you can bob your head to it at the same yeah. time, and it's like I don't know, but like that's just my perspective on use, it. And I used to use bleaching cream. Yeah, it's really and, disturbing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and like, yeah. Um, and it's so honest as well. Anyway, and there's music that you do that's really honest as well. It's like um, there's the one, there's the one line. It's like the kid in school always smelt of soup, stuck with a gyro. Yeah, <laughs> and I fucking love that line. It's brilliant, and it's like it's. I knew that yeah. kid in school, and like yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know it's you, but it's like. You can so relate to that because it's like, I love lyrics you can relate to, but... I wasn't actually always stuck with a guero. I know, I know. It just rhymed with weirdo quite quite well at the time. I did smell of soup a lot, though. My house still smells a bit like soup. That's fine, man. It's like, you come to realise when you leave high school that that shit doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's fun memories, anyway. Some good soup. (laughs) But yeah, so I think I think yeah, I think your songs fall into those three categories, and I, d- mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's kind of eliminating some other songs. But like, I've had I've had okay as a spoken word piece on my set list two or three times mm-hmm. during this tour. I've been doing, and I've never had the guts to do it. I've never wanted. I've th- I felt it would detract think, from the momentum. Of I think my set. it would be good, especially because it is really current. Mm-hmm. I mean, your EP is so current that you literally say you dedicate the first song. To an event that happened the day before, yeah, which then, now no, is slightly know, like yeah. kind I of. I said that to them the other day. I said, "This is the only thing I'm annoyed about yeah, about you reopening." Is <laughs> so that... yeah, so the first, the first, yeah, the first track you dedicate to the people in the full moon, which doesn't exist anymore. As as it, it, it really, it's called the moon now, but it closed. <laughs> You put that into your song and then it reopened and now you're like, oh shit, that's now recorded forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's another reason that um, kind of that OK KO yeah. song kind of grates on me is because it's got, it's time stamped. There's a, there's a, there's you're a telling me that you don't like the first song either. No, I like the first, I love the first song because the way you describe, yeah, it's the way you describe coming into Bristol and all yeah. the stuff that happens in Bristol is like... It's giving me an insight into a city I don't really understand. Oh, and I think that works really well. And it was funny because the first time we listened to it, we were going to Bristol and it was yeah. perfect for that. And I did it today as well. I like to see the blue sign loom high above the motorway. 
Half a mile to the city where my hopes are played out I like the ongoing tour of artisan Cafes where they smash avocado and torture parmesan I like the diverse mixture of culture Hipsters and punks from Bedminster, Cheddar, Gulch, yeah I like the patois and the local slang Farmers, Rastafarians and city suits in the smoking pan I like the weather, no really I like the weather Wetter Wednesdays than ever, I can treasure Because I like it when the atmosphere's alive Water alive, you can always get dry, high five I like the green spaces, the parks and downs I sit on benches or the grass and absorb the sound The harbour's humble majesty on a summer's day Charging my lung capacity until it's underpaid I love the river, it's beautiful disorder And all artists need to be near a body of water The myriad twists and turns the flow Raw power, every molecule stirs the soul If I'm on the M4, coasting steadily I like the drive and the influx of memory And I'm over the Severn Bridge, coast clear like Bristol Junction 19, I'm exiting to Bristol and yeah, and like now your next EP is about Cardiff and I'm really kind of really excited to hear it because Cardiff is like my hometown. I've lived, lived there for 25 years and yeah. like to hear someone else's perspective on it, it's going to be really interesting. It's like the first time I heard Rob's perspective on Cardiff was really interesting Yeah, um, yeah. because he came from a different background to me and like it's, it's, it's funny because now I've like I changed my speech. I've changed my speech pattern since I met Rob right? and yeah. like and all the other guys like that because... I came from a middle class background and like, and then he came from, he went to Kate's high school and I went to Radha Comprehensive. It's like, yeah. they're two I mean, different worlds. It's like, you guys totally beat us 10 nil in football. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Don't worry. That wasn't me. Like I was not playing <laughs> no, football. No, no, <laughs> but yeah, like speech pattern. I was going to say about speech pattern. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I'm still quite impressionable with that in mind. Like, yeah. Lots of people think I'm from the West country, but it's because I spent a lot of time with my cousins in Cornwall when I was a teenager and I thought they were the coolest people in the world so I just ended up talking like them a little bit now and then like when I get drunk I think I sound more like I'm from Cardiff which is where I am from yeah <laughs> and it's interesting it's interesting because people think you're from Bristol and then you go oh no I grew up I went yeah. to Nelby High School yeah. and it's like yeah. oh yeah 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 it's like that's 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 there's Albany Primary is it Albany Primary yeah, yeah. yeah. what it's high school Rob. did you go to and then Cates as well all oh, right Rob. cool yeah but it's like that's like the other side of the river for me and it's it's kind of yeah. like when i met rob and met all of those guys it was like a different world and i was like oh this is cool and i i'm there's still places in cardiff i've never been to before and it's mm. like i've lived there for 25 years it's really bad mm. but it's like it's still like there's so much to a city it's changed quite a lot in the last 20 years mm. so it's kind of hard to compare cardiff to what it was then to yeah. now but then moving to brighton which is has a whole different vibe to it. Yeah. And then Another to Bristol, one, yeah. which is so kind of has a sense of identity. Mm. What, like comparing those cities, what are the differences in them? Do you think? Well, yeah. Reading, I can't remember. Cardiff, yeah. um, Cardiff makes, I can only speak in my own experience, but Cardiff always feels very warm to me these days. Not, not weather wise, but yeah. I feel really warm when I'm on Womanby street and, in, in any of those clubs around there lots of friendly people and I think Bristol has, has a bit slightly more of a gritty vibe but it very very much depends what part of Bristol you're in Brighton I, I got Brighton is a lovely place but I got very fed up of it because um, I think I just got very bitter I got very bitter because I was with somebody who broke my heart and, uh, and then left and got very bitter about yeah. her and her friends and I, I think I think 
People say it, people use this expression so much, but Brighton is Brighton is a bubble. I did get that impression when I we went to Brighton to record, and I did you do get that impression in in Brighton, but I also feel like you get that impression in in Cardiff and South Wales, right? Yeah, because perhaps I just enjoy the bubble more in Cardiff. Than I do, yeah, than I do in Brighton, possibly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, and I, I, I think you're I right. Think, yeah, I can but see it. Brighton's. Now. I think the fact that Brighton's location mm. next to London mm. affects it in quite a way. Yeah, because often most of the people who live in Brighton. Like work in London, yeah. Um, it's a party city, that's for sure. People see it as an escape from London. from London, yeah. yeah. Um, but with Cardiff, it's kind of uh, that bubble exists because you can have a scene in Cardiff and not have to go elsewhere. Like there are mm. bands, there are Welsh bands that have never played a gig outside of Wales, mm. which is bizarre, yeah, to me, it is, isn't it? But yeah. they do perfectly fine in Wales, yeah. Yeah, so that's I think that's a, that's you know there's two different bubbles in that sense, but I think um, Bristol is uh, it's got a tighter connection to London, yeah, than say Brighton or Cardiff because it's, it's more it's more similar to London, definitely. yeah, yeah. The traffic's equally as bad. <laughs> yeah, and so those kind of those kind of cities play off each other, and I think the fact that you've written an EP about well an EP that starts off talking about Bristol and kind of mm. relates to Bristol, and mm-hmm. then you're going to do one about Cardiff, like. I think that's a really interesting concept. Mm. I think it's cool. Yeah. And the fact that you've got perspective on both of those things is interesting, but I don't think you could write a EP. Could you write an EP about Brighton or do you think it's not enough? There <laughs> Drinking <to> 39. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. I probably already have. I think I, I definitely yeah. already have written, but one. those, but those songs would be more about maybe that relationship than. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're essentially, about, yeah. They're probably essentially about the, the one that got away. I, I, it doesn't appeal to me as a place anymore. No. It's a nice place, but I, I don't really enjoy being there anymore. It's, you, um, so you don't feel like you like live I, there. You just maybe you feel like a tourist. Being yeah. There okay. Well, a tourist, a, a bit of a bored tourist, to be honest. I, I, I felt like I saw. As so much you've of seen it, as it all, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So a little bit. I'll go happily go back and play there, though. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, because the Great Escape just happened there, and it's kind of yeah. like seems quite a nice. I city saw Big Jeff actually on Wednesday. Oh, really? It was really weird seeing him in Brighton. I was like, like why? Did a double yeah, because yeah, that's like when I saw him. Uh, I saw him in uh, Charlotte Church's gig in the tram shed. Right. I was like, Big Jeff's here. We're not in Bristol. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Big Jeff. For anyone who I can't under- I can't understand people who don't know who Big Jeff is. But if you go to Bristol gigs enough, you will meet him. Mm. He's um. A guy who really loves music stands at the front, quite tall, long hair. He's an avid and live he goes, music. He goes fan. for it, yeah. and like, it makes you feel like music is worth that. And and then you get really pissed off with people who get annoyed by him. Yeah, I really like, do. Yeah. You're the person standing behind him because you can't be bothered standing at the front and going nuts as well. Mm. So like, you don't need to complain about that. Mm. Uh, so the last two questions I ask are: What's your favorite recent song or record? Uh, that you've heard it doesn't have to have come out recently but it's something you've been listening to a lot recently or liked recently just last night i put on spotify i put master ace's latest album on which i think he made last year um he's like a bit of an old school hip-hop legend who's who i think got really messed about by quite a few labels and came out again in 2006 but I, I, I was listening to one of his CDs in the car. I can't think of a specific song, 
but his doesn't album doesn't have to be a song, um, just a record. Yeah, uh, the album's called "The Falling Season," and and I was blown away by how good it is. Um, it's, yeah, actually, the first song, Three Thousand Avenue X," it was last year. Um, it came out mm. "Falling Season" by Master Ace, who must be in his fifties now, probably late fifties, and he sounds like he's still in his twenties. It's amazing. It's always good. It's always yeah. good. And then, uh, what have you got? Like an all-time favorite record? Yeah, "Tricks of the Shade" by the Goats, which is out in '92, and it's sort of witty, political, funky, energetic, quite dark hip hop with really, really good old-school beats and samples. And and there's a running, um, there's a running sk- sequence of skits throughout it about the um hypocrisy of of america as a country is brilliant i think i know it word for word yeah and they're, and they're called the goats which is quite it a funny doesn't sound like a it doesn't sound like group. a hip-hop yeah. group does it it no. sounds like a punk band yeah, yeah. that's quite yeah. cool yeah thanks for having me in your abode congrats on the tour congrats thanks, on the ep mate. look yeah, forward to hearing the new one and you'll i'll see you soon i'm sure see you soon Ed. definitely not I'll definitely see you before we do that gig in July cool, that's good yeah because yeah. that, that would be bad <laughs> alright thank you cheers mate so thanks to Mike for that really great interview I really enjoyed myself having a really long chat with Mike um, we could have talked for hours I'm sure but you know I don't think many people want to hear us bang on about all the sound engineering stuff I had to cut out of the episode um, I'm also going to just briefly talk about the fact that I did edit quite heavily uh, this podcast because after listening to um, a few other podcasts I've noticed that the gaps in between the talking kind of are cut down and um, so I kind of came up with a way of doing that with this podcast. I hope that works out to people's benefits and it's not um, it's kind of a bit more listenable to in that sense it's really necessary with this podcast because of the length of the interview uh, I'm not going to rabbit, rabbit on about that. Um, I am going to talk about Mike again. Uh, Mike just had a video kind of released up after he did a TEDx talk in Cardiff, uh, which is quite cool. You can kind of check that out online. He's also got loads of videos online that are really interesting and kind of go into and kind of very visual in the sense that you can kind of work out what he's doing live. I would recommend going see him live because it is kind of one of those things that the record is very different to the live experience. So he's playing in Bristol on June 29th, uh, funnily enough, with Rob Nichols uh, uh, of Junior Bill uh, in a night he's calling Too Many Mics, Not Enough Robs. That's in the Salt Cafe on the 29th, uh, that's Thursday. Um, then he's going to be at Toll Puddle Martyrs Festival on July 14th. Uh, I guess, I'm not sure, well, it's July 14th, July 16th, I'm not sure what day he's playing. And then he's also going to be uh, at the Above Your Station live show, which is, again, something we talked about in the first episode of Rob Nichols. Uh, and that's the show Junior Bill is putting on kind of as a concert film, and he'll be a main support for that. That's in Cardiff in Cate's Community Centre on July 27th, uh, and you can kind of get tickets for that via the Pledge Music I'd like you to go because kind of quite invested in that. Um, I'm not sure if there are any other dates coming up, but if you keep an eye on his uh, Facebook, I'm sure you can get updated that way. Uh, Next week's episode is with Maddie Jones. Maddie Jones is a musician I've known quite a while in Cardiff. Um, 
she's kind of going in a new direction lately and we kind of talked about that uh and yeah i hope you join me next week thanks for listening to this podcast and see you next wednesday <laughs>